new from Scouted Football, introducing the Scouted Notebook, long-form, in-depth journalism, storytelling, and analysis from our team of expert writers. Sign up at scoutednotebook.com for the very best we have to offer, including consistent and curated updates on the players we think you should be excited about, detailed coverage of youth football tournaments other outlets aren't paying attention to, such as the Under-20 World Cup, Under-17 Euros, and plenty more. A Scouted Notebook subscription guarantees you'll receive exclusive updates on and early access to Scouted, our premium print magazine, which makes a return in 2023, as well as complete access to the digital archive of our legacy print magazine, The Handbook, all 12 volumes. Scouted, the home of independent, in-depth storytelling and analysis on football's next generation. Hello, welcome back to the Scouted Football Podcast with myself, Joe Donoghue. This week, I'm joined by Phil Costa and Stephen Ganavis of Scouted Football, uh, and we'll be discussing the Under-21 European Championships in Romania and Georgia, which kick off uh, today, actually, uh, the 21st of June. Uh, They'll run until early July, uh, when we'll see if Germany are able to uh, retain their Under-21 Euro crown, which they won two years ago. Um... We're going to go through the squad lists, uh, similar to what we did with the Under-20 World Cup, if you uh, tuned into that episode a couple of weeks ago. Um, And then we'll aim to do a a roundup episode as well after the tournament. Um, That will be in July, as I just mentioned. But um, without further ado, gents, how are we uh, we feeling ahead of the Under-21 Euros? Always good to be back uh, chatting football with you, Joe, Uh, straight from the Under-20s into the Under-21 Euros. Uh, Very excited for this tournament. Uh, yeah, lots of good games to to come. Uh, plenty of good teams, plenty of good players. All the things that we uh, yeah love to see when we uh, tuck into a, a new youth tournament. So obviously, a lot of the the nations we know and expect to be there uh, back again, but some surprises and some uh, interesting additions again. Uh, Israel uh, appearing in this tournament, another uh, one to watch off the back of. The Under-20 World Cup, obviously, uh, a few weeks ago and with uh, a few of the stars from that that team in as well. Uh, but yeah, plenty more to, to get into. Always a lot of surprises and always a good tournament. Yeah, yeah. No, all good. It's nice to be on a podcast, actually, because it's been a while. And, you know, you get to a point at the end, you know, at the end of the season where you think, I'm just kind of done with football for a few weeks. And then when these tournaments kind of rock up and, you know, there's, there's coverage being done and players to follow and, you know, you never really lose it, do you? So I think it's always good to to keep an eye on some new players heading into not only the new season, but the transfer window as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's get started then. Group A, uh, we've got uh, Belgium, the Netherlands, Portugal and Georgia. Uh, Georgia, the co-hosts alongside Romania. Um, I think you'd be uh, you'd be hard pushed to say that uh, that Georgia will get out of this group, but with youth football, uh, youth international tournaments, um, there are always capabilities to surprise. Um, we'll begin with Belgium in this in this group um, because I think they have they, they have a, a one of the the mid range squads in this in this tournament in terms of how strong they are. They've got a handful of, of senior internationals. Um, they've got quite a good attacking roster um, and. Yeah, I, I just wanted to get your thoughts on that. I mean, the the player that I have been um, sort of enamoured by over the course of this season who will be at this tournament is Lois Openda. 
the uh, the striker from uh, Racing Club de Lens in France, who finished just a point behind uh, Paris Saint-Germain in Ligue 1 this season. Um, they'll be playing Champions League football next year. Uh, he scored 21 league goals uh, for, for Lens uh, last season. Uh, and yeah, he's, he's very much coming into this tournament on the back of a hot streak. Um, for those who haven't watched Upenda before, he's, he's more of a pure nine than than other strikers. You know, um, he's he's got a very very high shot volume, um, but but low game involvement. So you know, similar to somebody like a, a Darwin Nunez, for example, in terms of how involved he is in build up. Um, but in addition to that, you know, he's not just a penalty box striker. He's a very good carrier when he does have the ball at his feet. Um, and yeah, I think certainly at a youth international level, you know, having proved it already at, um, you know, at, at, in, in one of Europe's top five leagues or top six leagues, um, it, it, this tournament should be, uh, a, a launch pad essentially for him before the, uh, before the, uh, the Champions League next season, if he does remain at Lens. Yeah. And lots of interesting, uh, players across this team. I'm kind of surprised a few more of the Club Brugge guys that we've uh, been following across the UEFA Youth League the last few years aren't in there talking about the likes of uh, Cissé Sandra and Lintal Dur. But uh, one that has jagged the spot in there that is a very interesting one for me is Anna Engels, who uh, actually left Brugge in January and went to uh, the Bundesliga with Augsburg on a cut price deal. I think it was around €100,000. Uh, and... I think me and, and Lou are really high on that deal. It was one of the, the bargain deals that you will see uh, across any league at, at any time over the last five or six years. Uh, and he went straight into that Augsburg team, uh, was a regular starter, played for 1,400 minutes uh, in the back end of the season and only missed a, a single game uh, due to a suspension. So really, really intrigued to see if he's a starter in this tournament. He's a really, uh, yeah, really solid number eight. He doesn't have, you know, Huge frills in his game, but he gets around the pitch. Uh, really good ball winner, really good ball progression, uh, and really high intensity off the ball. Uh, so, yeah, he's probably one that I would look out for. He's one of the younger ones in this squad, if not the youngest. Um, but, yeah, there's, there's a few other interesting names. Ugo Sique, uh, Kony De Vinta, Juventus, uh, uh, Charles de Quetelada as well, who was coming off a bit of a down season after uh, moving to Milan. So, uh, yeah, lots to like in this squad, but maybe slightly outshined by some of the bigger boys in the group. Yeah, potentially. Phil, I mean, I don't know how much you've seen of, of CDK, um, Charlotte de Catalera uh, this season, but I think the, the general consensus has been, you know, he's had a bit of a difficult time of it um, with, with Milan, but, you know, undeniably a talented player. And these tournaments do often, you know, serve to reignite the the fire or reignite the flame of some players who've maybe had a difficult first big move in their career um and and you know has the potential to build confidence to to rebuild his value um mm-hmm. you know I, I mean i think he's he's in, in recent fixtures belgium have gone with a a 343 or a um or in the, i think it was the most recent friendly they went with a, a 442 diamond with with de catalera at at the tip um, so I'd be very interested to see him sort of in between lines there. Um, well, I mean, are there any other names in this 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 Belgium group who who are standing out to you, Phil, or is it is it very much the the Starman CDK? I think De Ketelara is an interesting one because to me he's very um, Kai Havertz in a in kind of style and stature, quite difficult to maybe get into teams due to his 
you know, lack of a real position. I think he's much better when, when given freedom to float and, and link play. Look, there's no doubt that that he's a hugely talented player. And I always love those kind of taller left-footed players. They always look so graceful on the ball. Um, but yeah, we can't deny that he's had a, a tough season. I think he made 12 starts um, for Milan last year. You know, it's not great considering he was bought for a lot of money, but I think in this team where he can maybe be the the main guy um, or one of the more talented guys, I think he can really take responsibility. And, you know, another one to mention is Asta Ranks, you know, who I think it was recently reported that Milan weren't going to be taking the 12 million euro buy option from their loan. But I think, again, big presence in midfield can can win the challenges big aerial presence likes to to burst forward on occasion so i think those two having maybe not had the the strongest domestic seasons will be will be looking to to kind of find some form in this tournament just just rounding off the the belgium group um there's a few other names in there that that are worth keeping an eye on uh, mandela Keita, who plays sort of at the base of midfield uh, he's a belgian champion with antwerp this season uh, zeno de bast um, essentially providing a bit of ballast for for their squad, which I don't know is maybe a little bit top heavy. Um, Debast playing at, at centre half, uh, and as well Martin van der Voort um, is also a very very good keeper, certainly for for this level. Um, Steve, I don't know how much you know about Georgia, but I do know that we we are very fond of Kvitek uh, Uh He won't be at the tournament, uh, the Napoli star. But uh, in your notes, you've you've listed Starman as Georgi Mamadashvili. Uh, the uh, the Valencia goalkeeper and also Georgia senior um, goalkeeper. Uh, I think he was the one who played against um, Scotland in that farcical um, game at Hampton Park the other night. Um, I mean, what 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 can we say about this Georgia team because they are very much the minnows of of Group A. Yeah, I can't say I'm a, a Georgian football expert by any stretch. Uh, nor can I say I'm a big goalkeeper expert. But obviously, there's uh, pretty big raps on Mambadashvili. I think we've seen some Chelsea links uh, in recent times and I'm sure he's pretty much on the on the precipice of a of a big move quite shortly. Uh the other name though that did stand out to me when I saw it and I I thought ah could have sworn I've seen that name before and that is uh Yorgi Sitaishvili who uh, is a winger he's played I think 14 times for the senior team. Uh and the name did ring a bell because I noticed that he was actually playing for the Ukraine team. Uh, that won the 2019 under under 20 World Cup. So uh, he's got a bit of pedigree in uh, in big tournaments, and uh, it'll be interesting to see if he actually uh, can come up against uh, Ukraine if uh, Georgia can manage to get out of their group. Yeah, moving on to the Netherlands. Um, probably, I'd say in in my notes, I've kind of gone with them having the the strongest squad in uh, in this group um, on paper, certainly. Um, I mean, they, when you look at the likes of, you know, Ryan Gravenberg and um, Kenneth Taylor, both full internationals, um, Mickey van der Ven, uh, Kiel Sherpen, who's played at this tournament before, Devin Rensch, uh, and then, you know, the, the likes of Crescencio Somerville, Brian Brobby, Jürgen Ecklenkamp, Joshua Zerkze, there are lots and lots of recognisable names in European football in this Dutch under-21 squad. Um, I, I mean, Phil, would you agree that there may be Group A favourites? Yeah, I think it's a really interesting squad with, more importantly, a lot of experience. You know, some of those names that you mentioned there, I mean, Gravenberg, Kenneth Taylor, you know, even some names that have come into the midfield like Quentin Timber, Ludovic uh, Rice, Reese, I'm not sure how to pronounce it. Um, 
but this is this is a squad that for me looks experienced and balanced which i think in in tournament football can really take you far um and it's it, especially sort of in attacking areas you know you see Brian Brobby, Joshua Zerksy is much more of the um, sort of stick on forwards, typical forwards. And then if you've got Crescencio Somerville, who you've obviously followed a lot um, for Leeds this season, you know, he kind of lacks a little bit of consistency, but when he's on his game, I think he can be a real difference maker. So I, I don't see, you know, they obviously do have a star name there in Ryan Gravenberg. I think he's got magic in his boots when he wants to uh, to play. Um, but for me, this just seems like a really well-rounded, balanced squad. I mean, we we even haven't mentioned Ian Martson, who who had an outstanding season for Burnley when uh, during their promotion season under Vincent Company. So, yeah, just a lot of reliable, um, experienced players that I think can can really can really do a job. Yeah, just to tack onto that as well, uh, I'm. I think this is a massive opportunity for for Gravenberg to to kind of you know relaunch himself. It's been a, a tough time for him since he moved to Bayern, and I think that was probably not the right move for him at not the right time. I think he would have benefited a lot more from really growing into his role at Ajax and becoming the guy there before venturing elsewhere. Uh, but at youth international level, he's consistently dominated. Uh, basically, from the time he was a 15-year-old playing at the under-17 Euros that that the Netherlands won in 2018, he's completely dominated it at this level. Uh, and the, so now the carrot's kind of dangling out in front of him that this is the opportunity to to relaunch himself, possibly get a, a really nice loan move or a permanent deal out of this to to somewhere that'll carve out a, a bigger role for him and, and allow him a chance to to be more influential. Uh, but it's also incumbent on himself to kind of take it with both hands and and show that he can be that player because. So often he can drift in and out of games a little bit, not fully impose himself. But he's, as Phil said, he's got so, so much talent uh, that if he can be more consistent over a 90-minute period, he's, he, he can just be so damaging. Uh, and then the other player I just wanted to touch on is kind of in a similar predicament, and that's Devine Wrench, who, again, has bags of talent technically for a, for a right fullback. He's so good, two-footed, uh, can do, yeah, so much with the ball. Um, but in the last probably 12 months, I haven't followed him as closely as I had in the past, but it seems that he's kind of leveled out a bit and hasn't continued on that trajectory. Uh, so again, at, at youth international level, I think it's a really great chance to, to once again impose himself and, and show that he's still that guy and, and that he's still on that trajectory to being a really, really fine player. Yeah, uh, Steve, you've mentioned um, Crescencio Somerville as, as the, the potential game breaker in this squad. Um, I think I think you're right. He does have that potential. I agree with what Phil said. Um, you know, his dribbling ability is is low center of gravity. He's sort of one of those players that glides with the ball. Um, you know, comfortable playing off either flank, um, and and does link up well with with more conventional forwards, um, and and can can get into to central spaces. Um, yeah, maybe a little bit inconsistent at times, but hasn't really been that much of a regular over the three years that he's been in England. Um, and there's a lot of talk at the moment um, that that he will he will move on from from Leeds um, and probably end up, if not in um, uh, if not at a at a major Eredivisie club, then certainly in in one of Europe's top five leagues, if not the Premier League. Um, but you you mentioned it briefly, Phil uh, Ludovic Rice or Reese. Um, we d- we are going to seek a clarification on the pronunciation of that one because um, <laughs> if he has a good tournament, he might not be the only Rice making a move this summer. Hey. Um, he is uh, he's currently Terrible. playing for Hamburg. Uh, operates at the base of midfield, but 
um, is a really, really tough competitor. Um, pretty all action, uh, to say the least. Uh, got nine goals and five assists, actually, actually in uh, the Zwei Bundesliga this year. Um, and it'll be quite interesting to see how he's used, whether he's a single pivot or whether he's pl- deployed alongside Gravenberg with sort of Gravenberg pushing a little bit more advanced with the in, in the number eight role and, and Rice more of a six slash eight hybrid. Um, or as I say, in a, in a 4-3-3 with, with Kenneth Taylor either side of Rice. Um, but yeah, I think the um, the the Dutch team certainly are, are, are at least my favourites for, for Group A. And then depending on who they're drawn against in the knockouts, assuming that they do get through, um, then uh, yeah, I think we, we we might see them go go far. But again, I don't want to don't want to put the mockers on it. They, uh, they these tournaments do have the capacity to surprise. Um, Steve, moving on to the final team in Group A, Portugal. Um, am I right in thinking that maybe this isn't as strong an under twenty one crop as previous years? Yeah, when I first saw the squad, it just kind of struck me a little bit. It doesn't have the as many names that really pop off the the team sheet. Um, I think it's still quite strong in attack, uh, but probably in defence and, and midfield, it's probably not quite as as stacked with the the names you'd normally see from uh, a Portuguese team that at youth level really just come to expect as a perennial favourite to to either win or, or go pretty deep into these tournaments, but. You just look at the the attack, though, and you never know what can happen. So much quality there. Pedro Neto, uh, Enrique Araujo has done great things for, for Benfica now, now at Watford. Uh, Fabio Silva, who I think still has a little bit to prove. Uh, and then the, the live wire option, uh, Diego Moreira, who's been one of our favorites for um, for Benfica uh, during their, their run in the UEFA Youth League that they won uh, last season. Uh, as well as for the uh, Portuguese under-17 Euro team in, in 2022. So plenty of quality up front. Um, some interesting names in midfield and defence still, don't get me wrong. They've also got Nuno Tavares uh, of Arsenal uh, to uh, fill in it at left back. So still some quality there, but I think they're probably putting their chips in. Some of their attacking plays really popping off and, and, and carrying them to the title. Yeah, they, they do have... Uh, I mean, I said that the Belgian side or Belgian squad was a little bit top heavy, but they're not the top heaviest squad in this group because, you know, those names that you've reeled off there from from an attacking standpoint, um, yeah, they are very uh, they are very uh, strong in attack. But, you know, they've also got plenty of experience, certainly domestically um, in, in midfield, you know, the likes of Samu Costa at Almeria. He's played quite a lot in um, Spain's top two divisions. Uh, and then the likes of Andre Almeida as well. Um, he's 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 been a regular in Spain and, and Portugal, so um, yeah, they they could they do have the capacity su- to surprise. And given they were runners up last time, um, you know, still under the management of Rui Jorge, um, it would be foolish to write them off this early in in the in the preview episode. I think uh, Jean Neves in in midfield, the the Benfica player, I think he could be a little potential live wire option if we if we get a chance to see him in this tournament. That. Uh, could do something pretty special, I believe, is the, the youngest player in the squad and has a lot of wraps on him as well. Moving on to Group B then, um, you know, that we have Croatia, Romania, co-hosts, and Spain and Ukraine. Um, I, where, where should we start? Should we start with Ukraine? Because they are, uh, they possibly have the most high profile player at this tournament in, in their squad. Uh, Mikhailo Mudrik, obviously of Chelsea, um, set the world alight with with Shakhtar um, before getting that eighty eight million pound or euro or whatever currency it was move to Stamford Bridge, 
um, but has, has struggled since coming to England. Um, I think it's fair to say. Um, he's at this tournament because he's trying to play himself back into form. Um, and that certainly will give uh, Ukraine a, a, a real shot in the arm. Um, because, I mean, having a player of his quality, his, his directness uh, at this uh, at youth level, essentially, is, um, is going to be massive for them. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been a really difficult time for him and it's a it's a shame because Mikhailo Mudrik is a player I've I've liked and followed for a long time but this all just felt too much too soon for him um and after a, you know what can be described as a whirlwind 6 months I think it was a good decision to be called up uh, I think some have maybe claimed it as a little bit embarrassing or as if he's maybe taking a step back in his development but I I just think it's the right the right thing he needs at the moment to come in and play. Maybe if the standard's a bit lower, he can come in and, and really use this tournament as a springboard to recapture some of that form because on his day, he can be an outstanding player, a really direct, exciting winger with good technique, can shoot off both feet. But I just think the confidence has been zapped. Um, and I think this is the perfect kind of excuse for him to to really knuckle down and start playing again. So. It, it it's a weird one for him. It will be a weird one for him. Might need a bit of, you know, a bit of time to adapt. But I think overall, the the bigger picture is what's being taken care of here, and and I'm I'm really hoping he can put together a few good performances. And he can be such a one man wrecking ball on the counter. Kind of might suit the way he wants to play with Ukraine. I'm assuming quite likely to to sit back and play a little bit deeper and look to counter. Uh, so yeah, I think that that should really suit him. Obviously, what we've seen from him, at, at, especially at Shakhtar, was just just on the counter attack. When he can get in behind, he's just so electric. So really interested to see what he can do. But teams like Ukraine always throw up a few surprises. I think that people don't expect a huge amount from them. But a lot of these players are, are always playing high level football. A lot of them are from Shakhtar. A lot of them are from Dynamo Kiev. They play a lot of minutes at a young age. They play in good teams. So uh, they're often a lot better than than people expect them to be just in this team. Guys like Sudakov, uh, Bondarenko, Trubin at Shakhtar, they're playing a lot of minutes in a good team. So uh, they might not come with the the big name of some of the other teams in this group like Croatia and Spain, but uh, there's definitely enough quality there to potentially cause an upset. Um, moving on to Spain, the, the the favorites for this group. I think, despite what we've said about Ukraine, I think it's undeniable that that Spain are, are the favorites because of the strength of their squad. While there are other teams who have been a bit top heavy, I'd say that Spain's attack is probably one of the maybe the weaker elements of this this squad. But they do have um, some real real talent uh, in their ranks, and, and I think the one that we'd all pick out immediately is Gabri Vega, who has been playing really well for for Celta Vigo uh, this season. Um, has been linked with all manner of clubs across Europe, um, including Newcastle. I've liked uh, amongst my friends. I've I've termed him sort of the the Spanish Joe Willock um, because he's very very good at carrying the ball. He's very very good at just making those very I don't know direct runs um, and and has has end product at the end of it. Um, in terms of Gabri Vega, Phil, have have you have you watched much of him? I have, yeah, and I think it's been a, a really interesting. Um, story to follow because one of my one of my best friends best friends and colleagues is a is a big Celta Vigo fan, um, Manu Dominguez, and and he's been waxing lyrical about him. So earlier on this season, I, I thought I'd 
I'd check in and I've been really impressed for, you know, someone of this age, um, he's just turned 21 years old, to really put a a poor team on its back. I mean, they weren't in any danger. And then all of a sudden, towards the end of the season, they took six points from a, a possible 33, um, which really put them in a, in a horrible position where on the final day at home to Barcelona, they needed to win. Um, and who pops up with the two goals? It's Gabri Vega. So he's he's shown that he's got an ability to put the team on his back, to be decisive in crucial moments. Like you said, more of an attacking eight, I would say. Uh, it, I think the Joe Willock comparison is quite spot on, to be honest. I think he's he's quite tall. He's strong. Um, he can get in and, and stuck in with the tackles. But for me, his, his strengths are ball carrying how can I look for the quickest transition, quickest route to goal, that kind of thing. But I mean, his his um, end product numbers were really impressive. 11 goals and four assists last season in 36 appearances is, is really impressive. So I think he has kind of enjoyed a real breakthrough season. And I think for this Spain side who traditionally are a maybe more technical patient side, just to have someone with a bit more brawn and power can never be a bad thing. Steve, within this uh, within this Spain squad, um, who who are the, the the players that you're you're maybe looking at? I mean, there are some some recognizable names. You know, Hugo Guillamon, the the yellow card magnet of Valencia. Um, you know, you got the likes of Victor Gomez, um, Sergio Gomez, uh, Juan Miranda, um, who's who's played at you know various of these tournaments. Abel Ruiz, who's been excellent at youth international level, but maybe hasn't replicated that um, at club level so far in his career. Yeah, uh, before I get into that, just to um, add one thing on, on, on Gabri Vega, he's also a massive bolter into this squad. He's he's only played one under-21 cap so far for Spain. So he's really put, forced his way into this uh, into this squad and hopefully into the 11 because I'm really interested to see what he can do. Beyond the other names, it feels like there's a, a, a little click in this squad that I feel like I've been watching for years upon years upon years at, at uh, youth international level. And to see that they're still 23, 22 is, is uh, kind of mind-blowing. But yeah, the likes of Sergio Gomez, Abel Ruiz, Juan Miranda, Hugo Guillamon, uh, they've been around the uh, around the blocks many, many a time for, for Spain in youth international tournaments. And uh, I think the, the one that sticks out for me, Sergio Gomez, I think he's just got so much quality. We didn't get to see a huge amount of him this season for, for City, but... Uh, yeah, he's he's just fantastic. I think he's got such a high ceiling, and I'm hoping to see him uh, get more minutes this season. Uh, outside of that, I agree with you on the the goal front. I think Abel Ruiz is one of those guys that really shines at under 17 level, just for their ability to just be a pure goal scorer, just keep banging them in. But that can kind of fall away when they don't add more to their game as a senior player. And since he moved from from Barcelona to Braga, we've kind of seen him unable to properly kick on. Uh, He had 12 goals in just over 3,000 minutes this season. So not terrible, but you'd hope for a a better return. And outside of that, you don't see a huge amount of goals. And that's why I think someone like Gabri Vega could be really, really important. The other one that I'm probably most interested to see is Ana Martinez, who uh, the brilliant Jamie Kemp wrote a, a really interesting piece for him on our Substack, uh, probably won't be able to to summarize the whole thing here. But uh, yeah, if you go on our Substack, scatternotebook.com, and go go read that. It's a yeah, really intriguing piece about a very very interesting player. 
Yeah, just um, in in terms of the, the sort of the goals that that will come or not come for Spain, um, I, I'm forgetting that also Oyan Sanset of, of Athletic Club is also in this this squad. Now, he's not a prolific player, but he is a very imposing imposing forward. Um, wouldn't say that he's you know your typical pure nine. He's he's a player that operates a little bit deeper than that. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how how he's used potentially in conjunction with someone like Abel Ruiz. Um, and whether he is able to use his physicality against, you know, age mates, because for the past few seasons, he's been using it well for Athletic um, in, in La Liga. Yeah, it's just interesting as well, because with the likes of Vega and Sanset, it's Spain's youth international teams are typically very traditional, as you'd expect from a Spain team, and their midfielders are more of those key possession, control possession, and, you know, cut the other team to death with a thousand passes as they say but yeah Vega and Sunset are more kind of those you know almost like German I'd say possibly or Italian style uh attacking eight or deepish forward kind of players that uh yeah don't operate in the same way so it might change up the dynamic of what we'd normally expect from a Spanish team as well so that's the uh, the two favourites for for Group B. Um, but again, it would be rude of us, it would be foolish of us to to rule out uh, Croatia and Romania. Uh, Romania, I've got quite an affinity to. Long time listeners of this podcast and long time scouted followers will remember that. Um, well, it must have been must have been four years ago now that uh, Romania's run to the uh, I think it was the semi finals, yeah, um, at the under nine uh, the twenty nineteen under twenty one Euros in Italy. Um, Romania were were sort of my favourite team to watch at that tournament. Um, some some interesting names there, Yanis Haji being one. Um, but they're they're here this year. They've got uh, a couple of couple of names that that might um, might pique people's interest. Octavian Popescu, which I think is probably the best name that you're going to get at this um, at this tournament. Um, Claudio Petrilla, uh, who is vastly experienced, um, certainly in in domestic football in Romania. Uh, and then Croatia, you have the likes of Red Bull Salzburg's Rocco Simic uh, and Martin Baturina, who's who's been a, a bit of a bolter for for Dinamo Zagreb uh, this season. Um, either of you, wh- what are we what are we thinking? These two these two teams are capable of. Romania is a really tough one for me. I think they're quite difficult to judge, having gone through as as co-hosts. I mean, like you said, a player that stands out is Popescu. I think he's. Um, a tall upright winger who is very direct you know he likes to take players on I like that his first thought is is often the quickest route to goal I I quite appreciate that that quality in a winger you know very direct Um, I think he has a bit of the the star power shall I say to make a difference for this Romania side but beyond that I think I'm going to have to rely on on your expertise here I was just surprised at the uh, lack of uh, Radu Dragushin uh in this team uh but yeah he's been playing with the with the senior team could have come back and and played in this tournament but for for whatever reason uh he's not present uh, i think he had a pretty solid season in the second division in in italy with uh, genoa this season and they've i think retained him fully from uh his loan from juventus so he'll be playing up in Serie A next season uh but yeah i think he's probably a pretty big loss for them uh, but yeah, again, uh, often with hosts, you don't really know what to expect, uh, considering they you know didn't have to go through qualifying in the same way, and you didn't really get to see and keep an eye on their form. So uh, yeah, not too sure about what else to expect from Romania uh, on the Croatia side. 
Really love Rocco Simic. Watching him in the UEFA Youth League is so much fun. Um, had a bit more of a so-and-so transition into senior football this year. Started the, the first half of the season with uh, Red Bull Salzburg. Didn't get a huge uh, amount of exposure to, to senior football. Eventually went on loan to FC Zurich, who were in a bit of a predicament themselves. Uh, eventually, I think, had about played about 900 minutes. But uh, yeah, I think he's one that might take a little bit of time to fully unleash himself into senior football. So in the meantime, this level really suits him. He's a really, really great runner and behind. He's got these long legs and he's very gangly, but uh, yeah, has a great eye for goal and he's super mobile. So uh, I think he's still working on adding a few things to his game in between that kind of transitional, very Red Bull style. Uh, but yeah, he's a lot of fun to watch. So if nothing else, uh, Croatia are just worth watching uh, purely for if we can see him get on uh, get on the end of a few. Just going to chime in here. I think Luka Sucic is a big miss for Croatia. Um, you know, he he's a big a big presence, literally. Um, top scoring, qualifying, great technician, powerful box to box midfielder. Um, but on the other hand, it could give an opportunities to someone like Martin Baterina, who I've I've watched and followed for a little while now, and I think he's a really just a lovely footballer to watch. He's kind of enjoyed a breakout season at Dinamo. Um, he, he reminds me of a little bit of, I mean, this is a, a very sort of ridiculous expectation on him, but Iniesta in the way that he maybe isn't involved a huge amount with end product, but his general feel of the game, the ability to manipulate the ball both in possession and out of possession is, is really, really lovely. Um, he can get up and contribute, but I just love his technique. You know, he's so graceful on the ball, little croquetas to get away from from players. And I think this could be a, a just another example of him putting himself in the shop window, really. Yeah, I was going to say on, on Romania, um, they did surprise us at the 2021, under 21 Euros as well. Um, players like Andre Ciobanu, um, who's, who stayed in Romania, but, you know, was, was I seem to remember he was in our team of the tournament or was definitely a sort of a, a wild card pick for that for that that final 11 um so yeah you never know there's there's always the potential but i, I do agree with the boys in in saying that you know the um not having gone through the the qualification period um does i think when you are when you're a lesser host then that does have the potential to to hinder you um group c then we've got the czech republic germany israel and england um and I'm sure lots of people won't need too much of an introduction to the the England squad. Um, it's got lots and lots of talent in there. The likes of Anthony Gordon, Emil Smith-Rowe, Noni Madueke, um, Levi Colwell. Um, you know, lots and lots of, of talented players. I think Curtis Jones and, and Harvey Elliott are both in there. So there will be um, a lot of Premier League representation in Group C. Um, but in terms of the other teams in the group, um, we'll start with the Czechs because... I think we probably have the the least to to say about them, um, but Steve, you you've you've picked out um, Adam Karabek. The I think he's the youngest in this their squad, but has the potential to certainly be their star man at just at just nineteen years of age. Yeah, and he was around in twenty twenty one the for the last tournament, uh, and. I thought there was big raps moving coming into that tournament, and he also kind of really struggled to impose himself over a full 90 minute period and you know it's not a big surprise as a as a young player but uh seems like he's grown into his role a little bit at at club level with Sparta Prague 
and I think there'll be yeah a huge expectation on him. No Chlojek on his on his uh, uh, right hand or left hand flank this time, so a lot more uh, will be expected to for him to deliver to to hopefully propel the Czech Republic into the knockouts. Uh, but it seems from my research that it'll be yeah very dependent on the Czech Republic's kind of wide attackers and attacking midfield players to to really uh, deliver them uh, some success. So yeah, Adam Karabek flanked by uh, Krzysztof Danek and Matej Jurasek as the uh, either not sure what mishmash of uh, who will be attacking midfielder, who will be the wide players, but it seems like that'll be the uh, setup for them to hopefully uh, get some success. But yeah, Karabek... Interested to see what he can do. Very technical. One, another one of those kind of tallish but graceful players. Uh, that's yeah, fun to watch. But um, yeah, can take a little bit to get going. So if he can get going, he can be a, a real difference maker. But it all depends on uh, yeah what he brings to the table on any given day. Phil, our, our resident um, Deutschland citizen, um, what is what is the the lowdown on on the winners uh, of the twenty twenty one tournament, Germany? Because again, there are some 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 recognizable names in there. Um, you know, one from the Premier League, Kevin Schader, uh, who has recently signed permanently for for Brentford. Um, of course, there is Yusuf Makuku, who there was you know a lot of hype about earlier on in his career. Um, I mean, I say earlier on in his career, he's still very, very, very uh, young. Uh, and also the likes of Nelson Wieper, who is, I believe, I think he could be. I might be wrong. The the youngest player at this tournament, and I think he was also involved for Germany at one of the um. One of the uh, the previous youth international tournaments this this summer. Yeah, I mean, for me, looking at this squad, like you said, there's a there's a clear, um, you know, there's a clear abundance of talent in there. But I, for me, they just feel a little bit in between at the moment. I, you know, I, I see players like Angelo Stiller, very experienced, playing regularly in the Bundesliga for Hoffenheim. Um, Yusufa Mokoko again growing in prominence for for Borussia Dortmund even though they you know unfortunately just fell short um, for the title even players like Joshua Wagnermann you know Luca Netz you know these guys have all been around in the German youth scene for a few years now but I just it sounds a little bit harsh but I just see a, a, a slight lack of star quality um I don't know, it just m- might be my my opinion. But, I, you know, I think if we're looking at the attacking players in particular, I think Makoko and Kevin Sharda are, are the two guys who who they can really look to, to to try and get them through this tournament, you know, because beyond that, I don't see too many goals being scored. Um, and even Kevin Sharda, I don't think, I think he scored one goal for Brentford or maybe, maybe not any um, last season, despite impressing. So for me, it's, it's a squad or an age group, shall I say, in transition. Uh, so I'll be quite interested to see how they get on here because I'm not totally convinced by um, by their squad. I would say, Steve, do you have anything to to add on on Germany, the 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 reigning champions? But do we think that they've got they've got the they've got the minerals to to go and defend it? I'm just interested to see if uh, if my man Big Nelson can uh, get some time on the pitch and make an impact. He had a really big season, uh, getting some senior minutes with Mainz. I think he became their youngest goal scorer of all time. Uh, he won the Fritz Walter Medal as the best under seventeen in the in the country uh, as well this year. Uh, he didn't play at the under seventeen Euros this year, but he played the one last year. And was uh, really good in that tournament. And he 
seems to have just continued to to develop since then. He's a big, tall lad, but he's uh, yeah quite comfortable on the ball, but still retains all the things you really expect from a, a number nine in terms of uh, his ability to attack space behind, his ability to to be a threat in the air, but also just maintaining a, a, a good penalty box presence. So I think you know he's still only seventeen, I believe, uh, but he I think is definitely physically uh, capable of playing at this level, which is goes without saying considering he's already getting uh, Bundesliga minutes. But I think he could be a, a real impactful player if he uh, yeah if he can get that time on the field. We'll discuss uh, England after we've we've touched on Israel because Israel do have um, some of the players that were at the the under twenty World Cup in uh, in Uruguay, um, sorry in Argentina, uh, Uruguay were the winners um, uh, the this past month. Uh, Dor Turgeman, um, who I know that that Lou have, have scouted, uh, really really liked at that tournament. Um, Omri Gandelman, I think as well, uh, if I'm not mistaken. But the one who who missed that tournament, who who was with the 21s this time around, full international. Um, Oscar Gluch, who uh, really broke through at the under-19 Euros last summer, um, but is certainly the uh, the star man of this this Israel team. Yeah, and I think he'll be looking to to make amends from missing that under-20 World Cup. I'm sure he would have absolutely loved to to have been there, and probably would have been kicking himself seeing the the success that the team had without him. Uh, but yeah, he was absolutely crucial in their ability to to make that tournament in the first place with his performances at the under-19 Euros. And yeah, he's just kicked on with Red Bull Salzburg. He's a, a sharp technical player. He's good across the ground. He makes decisions really quickly. He's a creative threat. He's a goal threat. He's a demon in transition. Uh, yeah, he's a very, very complete package for, for someone of his age. Uh, and yeah, he'll be absolutely chomping at the bit, I'd guess, to, to play a leading role in in uh you know making a big run with this Israel team at the under 21 euros considering he wasn't able to do so with the with the under 20s so expecting a lot from him i think this team will be quite competitive they've got i think five of the under 20 world cup squad with them here i'm not sure how many minutes some of the uh some of those players will get but uh yeah it'll be incumbent on gluck to be the the crucial midfield creator i think to uh, to England then, uh, and Phil, I mean, I'm sure you you've got plenty to say on Emil Smith Rowe, um, but the squad in general, um, I mean they've they failed to get out of the group, and I think five of the last six under 21 Euros, um, the last time they managed it, despite qualifying for each of them, uh, was uh, was 2017. Um, they disappointed in 2019, despite having a very strong squad. They disappointed again in 2021, despite having you know a, a team of of really talented players. Um, do you, I mean, do you think it's going to be different this time? Because, you know, they have looked quite good under under Lee Carsley. I hope so. I think it's a really interesting little quirk at how how much they've struggled in this particular tournament. But you look now, you know, and I I, I was looking through the squad and, the, and there's not really a weakness anywhere. If I was going to highlight one, it would be maybe a lack of firepower in the central uh, striking position. I think, you know, they've just kind of got Cameron Archer there with you know with Fuller and Balogun deciding to opt for the the US men's national team i think they've been left quite short um but beyond that i mean there's there's a lot of experience a lot of depth and what i like is there's a, a really big variety of profiles you know especially in midfield you know you have players like James Garner Tommy Doyle um who can kind of operate in in a more deeper role and you've got players like Curtis Jones Jacob Ramsey 
um, and Angel Gomez, who are a lot more box to box, more more attack minded. You know, I think Jacob Ramsey enjoyed a, an unbelievable season for Aston Villa. I think particularly with Unai Emery, he he really found his goal scoring touch. Um, you know, and then you've got players like Harvey Elliott, Noni Madueke, Cole Palmer, Morgan Gibbs White, who who love to be on the ball, who love to turn, um, who can create danger in a moment. And I just think it's a really experienced squad. I mean, I know Steve highlighted some of the the back four, but for me, purely as an Arsenal fan. I think Smith Rowe needs a big tournament in a similar way that Mikhailo Mudrik can use this this tournament as a real platform. I think the same can apply to Emil Smith Rowe. I think having a you know coming off the back of a really awful season, you know undergoing groin surgery, coming back, getting injured again, struggling to find his way into the team, you know facing strong reports of a summer exit. He's now told he's been staying. He's been told by Mikel Arteta that he's in his plans. I would just love him to to play well and also avoid injury because every time Smith-Rowe seems to be building up ahead of steam, he always gets injured. So I hope he's given time to rest and recover properly where he can really make an impact because I think he's a wonderful player. Steve, you've picked out um, Levi Colwell as one of the the main the main men of this, this England group. Um, they do have quite a, a broad pool to pick from at, at centre half uh, it's fair to say with you know the likes of, of Charlie Creswell in there as well and, and the captain uh, Taylor Harwood Bellis um, but what is it about Colwell that makes you think that he's going to be the, uh, the 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 all eyes on type of player at this this tournament I'm just intrigued probably more from the mental side with everything that's kind of going on with his with his club career he's in a bit of a, a state of limbo I would say that it seems like he's not super keen on on staying at Chelsea after enjoying a pretty good time of things on loan at Brighton last season and I'm sure everyone has seen the the tweet uh, that he sent out after uh, Chelsea lost I think it was against Manchester United uh, a few weeks ago uh, and I'm just interested interested to see how that kind of translates into the way he plays at this tournament if it's something that you know, brings him down, or if it elevates him to to play at an, a complete new level uh, and, and and take over the game as uh, a centre back that in in a way that we know he can do. Um, he's such a, a graceful player. He's great with the ball. He's great without the ball. I don't think there needs to be too much said, uh, too much more said about about what he can do. He can do everything. So he's uh, yeah, such a talented player. I'm so keen to see what he can do in this tournament because uh, I think really strong centre-back performances in, in tournaments like these can can go a really long way. And we saw uh, with Uruguay at the Under-20 World Cups, uh, Under-20 World Cup, how dominant their, their two centre-backs were uh, in, in helping them to, to keep six clean sheets in, in seven games. So, uh, yeah, if uh, Howard Ballas, Colwell, Max Ahrens and Luke Thomas, I think would most likely, I would say, to be the, the starting back four, it's a super, super strong lineup with a lot of Premier League experience and, uh, yeah, a lot of quality. So, yeah, Cole will be the, the watch, but I'm, I'm really just interested to see in general how this how they kind of mash all these profiles that they've got in this team together um, because probably their best players are would would fit in a lineup that probably doesn't quite work. So they're probably going to have to fit in someone like a Garner or, or someone, especially as a six, uh, to complement some of the other attacking midfielder players like Elliot and Jones or Gibbs White. So yeah, I'm I'm 
looking forward to seeing how they uh, line up in game one. But obviously, I'm sure there'll be a fair few different players that will get a, a look at things over the course of the tournament. Okay, then moving on to the final group, and that is Group D. Uh, you've got France, Italy, Norway, and Switzerland uh, in that group. Uh, so very, very strong. I think, you know, in, in, ordinarily, you'd be looking at someone like Norway and saying, actually, you know, they've got quite a good chance um, at this level. But, you know, they're probably the, uh, I don't know, the, the team likeliest on paper to, to finish bottom of, of this group um, because of, you know, the strength that, that France have in, in their ranks. Um, Italy um, selecting a really strong squad um and and switzerland because they've got um a lot of players who played at this level before and in this tournament before and and you feel as though that 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 i don't know that that chemistry that that ability to gel will be really important for them um starting with france um yep they are a stacked team their squad is is very very dense with uh, experienced and, and highly rated players but Again, they've they've maybe underwhelmed a little bit at, at recent tournaments. Um, I've been very outspoken before on this podcast about Sylvain Ripoll, uh, the the head coach of this team. Um, but you know, who's to say that he doesn't go and get under twenty one Euro glory this year? Um, one of the the big names though in this France squad um, who will be expected to play a, a key role uh, is is Kepren Turam, um, brother of uh, Marcus Turam, and, and also obviously son of of Lilian Turam. Um, he is obviously, uh, if you've been paying attention to the the, the transfer scuttlebud, um, he's been linked with a move to Liverpool this summer uh, from from Nice. But I mean, if you know if anyone who hasn't watched him before, maybe just wants sort of a, a bite size explainer of what he's like. Um, then first of all, this tournament will serve as as that. But you know, he's a he's a progressive carrier first and foremost. He's a very confident dribbler, um, but also has a good creative output level. Uh, at the end of those carries and at the end of those dribbles. Um, you know, he's he's not the type of player who's going to put his foot on the ball, sit at the base of midfield and and, and dictate games. Um, you know, he's, again, not a, he's not a defensive standout. He's not someone who's going to be, you know, busting a gut to, to stop transitions. But it's what he does with the ball, which is really efficient. And it is very much that on-ball ability that makes him the, the potential to be a standout um, here at this tournament. Um, and sort of the other player that I'm, I'm keen to, to watch a bit closer is um, is Castello Luqueba of, of Lyon, uh, centre-half, a big actions type of player is, is what I've noted down here. Um, very, very controlled and composed um, when when things are, are maybe not in his team's, you know, when his team's maybe not in the upper hand, um, can retrieve the ball well, reads the game very well. Um, and again, similar to, to Turam, he's a progressive type of player. Um, and, you know, we, we know how, I mean, progressive centre-halves in terms of ball carrying, but also progressive passing, uh, very much like unicorn shite, you know, they are they are very few and far between. Uh, and and Lukeba is certainly one of those. Um, so I'm looking forward to, to watching him and seeing what he's able to do again against age mates as opposed to, to Liga teams. Um, France then, gents. Um, Apart from those that I've that I've mentioned, any other names that are that are sticking out? It's got to be Sherky time, doesn't it? It's uh, <laughs> it does. Everyone everyone loves him. Uh, Two footed, technically brilliant, and starting to add genuine Ed product to his game uh, with Leon. So yeah, still just nineteen. So he's got a another under twenty one euros in him if he uh, wants to play again in two years time. But yeah, so, so much quality in him and it's whether he can just get his head down and and, and put it all together. Um, 
he's just yeah just got unreal amounts of quality and there's going to be i'm sure a million scouts at france's games purely there probably just to watch him so uh he'd probably be the top one but you know you could pick out five or six names michael elise we all know what he can do and we've seen it in the premier league for for a, a good season or so now uh maxon's kakare who's again one of those names that feels like he's been around forever and he's still just 23 and he's really established himself at Lyon and he's probably ready for for a pretty decent move I would say uh you know given what he can do as a a ball winner ball progressor uh but yeah there's you know Pierre Kalulu has had some pretty good time of it with Milan Loic Bade won the the uh oh no sorry I think I'm getting getting my names mixed up uh Joe no, he did. Was, he won the he won the Europa oh, he League. Loic, oh, Loic Bade, yeah. Looking at my yeah. uh, my notes, it says Nottingham Forest. I'm like, mm, I think he that's was wrong. at Nottingham Forest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then Mohamed Simakan as well, who's been uh, yeah doing good things with with Leipzig. So yeah, just names popping off everywhere that you look on this team sheet. Um, but again, kind of the same thing with England. It's how how do you fit all of these amazing plays into a coherent eleven? And as we've seen, and as Joe touched on. Francis coach has had troubles with that in the past. So uh, yeah, that'll be the the next step. Just unbelievably stacked. I mean, we, we haven't even mentioned names like Enzo Lefay, another outstanding season for Lorient. I mean, Guiri, Elia Wahi, who scored 19 goals for Montpellier. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Talent everywhere. Um, and if they, if they don't at least get to the semi-final, it's a huge failure in my eyes. Yeah, I think you're, you're probably quite right. Um, another team who'll be quite keen to go far in this tournament uh, is Italy because they've named a strong squad, um, which, uh, you know, if, if they harness it correctly, if Paolo Nicolato is able to to do what Silvan Ripoll, for example, or Adi Boothroyd in the past hasn't been able to or haven't been able to do, um, then they should win this group. Uh, you know, they've got Sandro Tonali, who's going to captain them at this tournament. They've got Giorgio Scalvini, um, you know, very, very imposing, very tall centre-half. Um, Samuele Ricci, uh, Willy Nyonto, Fabio Miretti, you know, very, very talented players, all of whom I believe, uh, I might be wrong actually on Scalvini, but all of whom I think are full international. Steve will be able to correct me on that. Um, but, you know, in particular, they're standout players, um, those who I've just named. I think they're the three youngest uh, in the squad, um, which again shows that, you know, they, the, the, the Bolters do have the potential to, to be the game changers. Yeah, well, I touched on a lot in the under-20 Euro coverage that Italy were missing some very, very key players uh, from their under-20 World Cup squad that were not eligible to be called up because of club commitments. Uh, and here they all are. So uh, Scalvini, Miretti and Nyonto, uh, in my opinion, probably three of, if not the three most important players in this team as well, which kind of shows you how good they are at their age. Uh, but then obviously you throw in the likes of, of Tonali, uh, you throw in Samuel Ricci, who I rate immensely as a, as a player and he's been doing great things at Torino. Uh, it's probably a similar issue with uh, as England in terms of the striker position. Uh, Moise Ken was supposed to play in this tournament and was called up, but uh, controversially decided he couldn't be asked and doesn't want to play. So uh, it'll probably be incumbent on Lorenzo Colombo uh, of Milan to to play up front or Pietro Pellegrini, so not as uh, dynamic as someone like Moise Ken 
even though he has had some of his own struggles at club level, I think he'd be pretty dominant uh, playing at under 21 Euro level. So uh, outside of those big names, also there's uh, Destiny Udoji, who's on his way to, to Spurs and just spent his uh, season on loan with Udinese. He'll be battling with Fabiano Parisi, I would expect, for the left-back position. And Parisi himself is is being linked with moves to a move to Juventus at the moment. Uh, so, yeah, quality everywhere you look. I think we haven't even you know touched on Nicolò Rovella, who the, the midfield especially has got so much quality in it that uh, it's going to be intriguing to see what gets rolled out. I'd expect probably a, a 4-3-1-2 with Miretti as the 10. Uh, Ricci... Tonali and Ravella in midfield, and then Nyonto and Colombo up front. But uh, yeah, I think I think I think the real one to watch though, Scalvini at, at Atalanta. He's probably one that's gettable for the right club. Uh, all the big teams in in Italy are interested in, in him, but there's questions over whether any of them can can actually afford him. There has been some pretty tenuous links with Manchester City in the past, and I think that you know he is a pretty prototy- a prototypical. Pep Guardiola player. Um, Scalvini himself has played a lot of time in, in midfield as well. Super comfortable as a ball progressor out of defense, especially as a passer. Um, so he strikes me as a, a very John Stonesy potentially type of, of center back. Uh, but yeah, big wraps on this team. And I think, you know, without putting too much heat on them, not getting out of this group would be a, a pretty colossal failure. Yeah, Scalvini's Scalvini's great, isn't he? He's, he's such an elegant player, but also because of his size, he's, he's such a brute as well. Um, a threat in in attacking opposition boxes, but also a very useful asset in his own. Um, and as well, Scalvini and Nonto, uh, they weren't released by their clubs for the under nineteen Euros last summer. So for them to be in this tournament is um, is, is is really good because we get to see both of them. Um, you know, Willie Nonto is is such a uh, a live wire of a player, um, you know, protects the ball really well, knows how to draw fouls, and has that ability to to take games by the scruff of the neck and, and decide decide matches himself. Um, great dribbler, and um, yeah, he'll certainly be be putting himself in the shop window. Not that he needs to, given that that Leeds were were relegated at the end of last season. Um, Norway again, probably the the weakest of the teams in this this group, um, but the, they have some teenagers who. You know that we 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 are, are right to 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 highlight um, uh, Oscar Bob at Manchester City um, has has done reasonably well uh, over the last twelve months. Antonio Nusa, um, he's also a very exciting player. Um, I believe he's at Club Brugge, unless I'm wrong. And he was he was there and has now moved on. Um, no, still at still at Club Club Brugge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just had a a, a moment of self doubt there. Um, and and Leo Yelder, who is another Leeds player, but uh, has been on loan at Rotherham in the Championship this season. Um, they're the three teenagers in the squad. They're all likely to pay, play a part. But as well, um, Steve, you've you've singled out somebody like Osame Sarawi, uh, who was at Volarenga uh, in Norway before getting a move, um, and he's been a, a long time scouted favourite. As well as uh, Johan Hove, who is um, a good a good wee box to box midfielder. Yes, Sahrawi is so much fun. He's just just a dribble god. Uh, he's got some good creative and product as well. But uh, if you like players that try to get the ball and dribble and dribble and dribble again, uh, he is the one to watch. If he uh, yeah, if he gets some some solid minutes in this tournament. But uh, yeah, everyone loves a dribble god, and uh, yeah, he's kind of in that Kavicha mold of just get the ball and run and run and run. Uh, doesn't really think twice about it. Um, 
and and those players can be, as we saw with uh, Kavicha with Napoli, super damaging in really disrupting defensive structures and and opening the game up. So uh, even though it kind of seems like it's a you know a bit of an an oddity or you know something that's fun but doesn't really contribute much, I think that kind of skill is is really underrated in in the way it can open up. Uh, open up structures and, and create space for other players. So, yeah, big watch on him. We're, we're big fans. So on to the final team in uh, this Under-21 European Championships uh, of 2023, and it's Switzerland. Um, lots of domestic-based players. I think the vast majority of the squad, uh, in fact, all but two, uh, currently play for clubs in Switzerland. Uh, and as a result, um, have, have got a lot of domestic and senior experience. Um, there are lots of players from, you know, the likes of Zurich, the likes of FC Basel, uh, Young Boys, FC St. Gallen. Um, but the one that really, really stands out um, is someone who's had an excellent 2023 uh, so far. That's Zeki Amdouni, uh, the 22-year-old. He's got seven goals in 11 under-21 caps. But this season for Basel, uh, you know, a, a really mammoth season uh, where they played countless games across several competitions. Uh, he was probably their, their their player of the season, certainly over the last six months. Um, he's somebody to to definitely keep an eye on in attack uh, over the course of this tournament. Uh, Dan and Doy, I believe he played in this competition last time around, um, was formerly of Nice, I believe. He's again at Basel, a good record at uh, under 21 level. Um, and one of the things that, that really stands out about this team is just how many players have got a number of caps at this level. Um, they're a very settled group. They are, you know, a, a, a team of players who've played tournament football at youth level quite extensively. And as I said previously, you know, you've got the likes of um, young boys, is Castrio Emery, who we've covered on this podcast before, uh, someone I'm very high on. Um, he is a, you know, goal-scoring midfielder uh, and, and has a real shot on him. And someone like Bechia Omaragic at centre-half, who, as despite being 21, played over 100 games for FC Zurich, has won the Swiss title, not the season just gone, but the one before. Um, and yeah, is, is already a, a fully capped Swiss international. Yeah, I don't think I had too much more to, to touch on considering you're the the Swiss expert, Joe, but you stole the words right out of my mouth. That's 12 players in their, in their squad with uh, 10 caps or more. And I think that in itself is a pretty valuable, valuable thing to to bring into a tournament a pretty settled group of of players that know how each other play and know what to expect from each other um so yeah i think uh yeah that's a big plus and and clearly they've got quite a bit of individual quality uh, as you touched on i'm um, had a a really really strong second half of the season especially and, and did some crazy things in the in the conference league as as basel made their their run towards the towards the final before being knocked out in the semis so Looking forward to seeing him play. And uh, yeah, I think they could spring a surprise or two on this group. That is everything from us. Uh, a bit of a, a bumper episode on the Scouted Football podcast um, ahead of the uh, Under-21 European Championships this summer. Um, do give us a listen. Do give us a shout out if uh, you do find yourself discussing the Under-21 Euros with anybody. If they'd like to know more uh, about the tournament, about some of the players that, that will be catching our eyes, but certainly anybody else who's, who's watching them for the first time. Um, thank you for tuning in. And again, if you would uh, like more of this stuff, uh, if you'd like it in written format, do get on over to scoutednotebook.com 
uh, and subscribe to our Substack because uh, there's lots and lots of good, good stuff going out on there. Um, thank you very much for listening to the Scouted Football Podcast. Uh, I've been Joe Donahue, joined by Stephen Gnavis and Phil Costa. Bye for now. New from Scouted Football, introducing the Scouted Notebook, long-form, in-depth journalism, storytelling and analysis from our team of expert writers. Sign up at scoutednotebook.com for the very best we have to offer, including consistent and curated updates on the players we think you should be excited about, detailed coverage of youth football tournaments other outlets aren't paying attention to, such as the Under-20 World Cup, Under-17 Euros and plenty more. A Scouted Notebook subscription guarantees you'll receive exclusive updates on and early access to Scouted, our premium print magazine, which makes a return in 2023, as well as complete access to the digital archive of our legacy print magazine, The Handbook, all 12 volumes. Scouted, the home of independent, in-depth storytelling and analysis on football's next generation.